Okay, hello. Welcome to the very first episode of what we hope will be many episodes of our brand new podcast called Across the Divide. My name is Ashley Lawrence and I am joined by my brother, Ricky Lawrence. Hello. Hello. Um, so, Ricky, should I explain what this podcast yeah, is all about? Yeah, as the, as the older, wiser brother, I think you should go for it. I'm glad you started by putting that on record. Um, so... <laughs> This is Ricky's idea, but I'm very, very much on board with it. Um, I am a lifelong Tottenham Hotspur supporter, season ticket holder, etc. Um, but unfortunately, my brother Ricky is a lifelong Arsenal supporter and season ticket holder. Um, and a lot of our relationship is built in some way, shape or form on football. So um, we thought we have these conversations on the phone at least once or twice a week so we thought why not record them is that fair ricky you've hit the nail on the head yeah um so obviously the season's about to start so we thought this is a good time to launch a podcast and um so we're going to talk a little bit today about maybe a bit why why we both support rival football clubs what our current feelings about each football club is yeah and i guess how we also got to the point i i would say anyone who meets me and finds out I support Arsenal just thinks that's completely normal. It's then when they find out that my when it's my brother supports Spurs, okay, fine, you know, that happens. But when I find out my dad supports Spurs as well, that's when really question after question after question. Generally, how on earth did that happen? How did he allow that to happen? Uh, all those sort of questions come uh, come rolling out. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we probably both got got a script almost prepared in terms of how we answer that question i actually had that conversation at work this very day um so i'll tell you what i say um because <laughs> as as well as as well as ricky our younger brother youngest brother darren also supports arsenal so i often say the sentence yeah i support spurs both my younger brothers support arsenal um which as you say is normally met with some surprised looks and i normally follow up by saying they were born in the late 80s and early 90s. And if you had a choice of supporting Spurs or Arsenal in the late 90s and early 2000s, unfortunately, from my perspective, it was a pretty easy choice. Um, what would you say? Yeah, I think that's a quite... Uh, it's a, I, I, if I was to say something similar, it sounds a bit more like I'm a glory hunter. Um, so I first started supporting Arsenal, or when I sorry when I started supporting Arsenal, George Graham was our manager, um, and I do have a recollection. So I was born in '88. Have a vague, rec- very, very incredibly vague recollection. It could just be from watching it back of our domestic cup double in the early '90s. Darren, the younger brother, wasn't born till October '95, um, so he won't remember until we actually were properly good under Wenger. But um, I go with a really quick answer, which I'd have to say is accepted more now that obviously women's football is more popular. Just say my mum supports Arsenal and so did my grandpa, which was her dad. And people, just, I guess they accept it more. I reckon before when women's football wasn't so popular, if I was to say I of my mum, it would probably be frowned upon a little bit more. Whereas I can, you know, hopefully the world that we live in um, going forward, if people copy their mum's team rather than the dad's, it's a little bit more accepted. But who knows? I'll have to wait and find out, or not, as the case may be. Yeah, um, I, I, I think it is key to point out that our 
father sports Spurs and our mother sports Arsenal. But as you mentioned, I think more significant to certainly to, to you and to Darren in terms of your footballing um, you know, childhood growing up was that our grandfather was a huge Arsenal fan, our mum's dad. Um, and I very clearly remember that obviously, you know, in the mid 90s, Arsenal would even even before Wenger came in, Arsenal were still generally a better side than Spurs. And they would be in Europe and our grandfather would come around to watch Arsenal midweek European games on TV. That's a very clear memory for me. And um, I think at some point you just kind of realise that, oh, grandpa sports Arsenal. And, um, you know, it was, I'm, I'm talking about like probably when you're in another, because you got to the cup, when cup final in 90, you won it in 94 and got it, to yeah. the Final again in ninety. I don't remember getting final again. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking. Oh, okay. About. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll remind do... you if you want. So what happened okay, was no, there I... was this um, player called Naeem, and uh, he scored. He used to play for Spurs, funny enough, and he actually scored from the halfway line in the final. I guess Naeem is actually a perfect player for this podcast for that very reason. I guess more. Is it fair to say? Well, I'm pretty certain it's fair to say he's more of a Spurs legend for what he did with uh, Real Zaragoza than what he did at Tottenham. Is that? Hundred percent. Like I, I, I'm a little bit too young to remember him playing for Spurs. Like he played in '91 Cup Finals, so you know he, he had some pedigree. But a hundred percent, the first thing that any Spurs fan thinks of when they hear Naeem is uh, Naeem from the halfway line, yeah. which is nearly 30 years ago now. But it's not as impressive anymore because it seems to happen more often. Players scoring from that far out. It um, does, but not often in the last minute of extra time of a cup final yeah. uh, against your old team's rivals. That's fair. That's fair. And um, I don't see. I don't recall our grandpa coming over to watch Arsenal Europe. But I do have very vivid memories, and I guess that's you know part of one of the great things about growing up is how things stick out for you. And often, well, for for myself, and I'm sure for you as well, uh, it's often football related. I remember watching the Cup Winners Cup final, which we did win. At our neighbours, and I think I think it was because our grandma had just burnt her house down. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, def- I definitely went to their house to watch an Arsenal game. What was that? Was, at, was that Palmer that, when Alan? That was Palmer, went? exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. I didn't yeah. know those two events coincided, but they I, may not have done. That. But in my head, they do. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll one thing it. I one thing I often love about football is that it may, it enables you to very clearly place yourself for specific dates so I can look back and know that well I know that I watched Naeem from the halfway line in our old house in Edgware and therefore whatever date that final took place I know where I was if I ever need an alibi for the night of whatever that was 1995 I know but that goes all the way up to the present day and obviously there's apps now that you can check in on for every game you go to but I just love that uh Football gives you that very specific knowledge. Yeah, and I like that you're going for a very early sponsorship deal um, there with Groundhopper. Is that footballology? Uh, you speak Groundhopper. Footballology, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's without a shadow of a doubt the greatest app ever to be created. Um, and I'm just I'm just so happy it exists, and that no one's paying me to say that. I'm sure at some <laughs> point this this podcast will develop a sponsorship deal, but but not yet. Um, yeah. And yeah. That they could, I shouldn't say this, but they could charge me 10 times what they charge to subscribe to that app and I'd pay it. It's so fantastic. And I got lucky, um, actually, get to take my daughter to her first uh men's game on Saturday, so she will be joining me for the Nottingham Forest game. 
she is potentially more excited about the opportunity to play some games on my phone, which I probably need to download some, and snacks. But I'll take it. I've, I, it's, I, I guess maybe next week we can see whether it was a uh, good decision yeah. or a bad decision. But, so, uh, yeah, so she's, something for this to tune into next week. Yeah, she's so she's gonna she's five. She'll be six in a few months. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah. maybe just on the young side, but I can understand the temptation. I took my son to his first game maybe about a year later than that. Um, Harry Kane scored in the very first minute of that game, so that was a pretty decent start. Um, I'm sure we'll mention that that player's name again in in a little while. Um, yeah, I, I mean, good luck would be my first instinct. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, so funnily, so I took her to the women's Spurs match, the Arsenal versus Spurs, which Arsenal won four 0 and I think as soon as the first goal went in, she cried because of the noise, which again may feature something like that may feature later on in this podcast. Um, and then she just about was okay for the rest of it. We went to the Champions League semi-final with her cousins and my sister-in-law, which she enjoyed a lot more. But again, I someone's phone did feature at some stage to fight the yeah. boredom up it goes back to what you're saying before about how much time you know being a fan takes up in your life and at the yeah. moment are talking about arsenal as a daily if not hourly occurrence in our household because it's great to talk about not just arsenal but some of the players at the moment yeah um, and true. you know we've we've definitely at the moment got a lot of players that are likable so probably you know, you'd almost have to certainly go back to, you know, the Invincible squad. But even then, I was younger, so maybe it's, you know, I can't remember it exactly, but I don't know if the players were as likeable potentially off the pitch. And, you know, we're going back yeah. nearly 20 years, so it's difficult to describe. But I think this touches nicely upon probably the most um, interesting piece of Arsenal news off the pitch the summer just gone, and that's Aaron Ramsdale's piece on the players tribune tribune um yeah, yeah. Uh, which surfaced last week came out last week and i think i've seen you know, i haven't heard i haven't seen fortunately i haven't seen anyone say a bad word against it arsenal mm-hmm. fans first fans and and basically any football fan it's just amazing to see someone um speak with such honesty and i guess you know there's an element you know whilst i've i, I actually have met ramsdale how did i um a friend managed to go backstage at the league of their own recording when he was the captain so i was about to say i don't know the guy i don't know the guy but i have met him and it's great to um you know i guess you can feel proud of the fact that he plays for arsenal and it's very easy to then look at players like kai saka Declan rice is obviously a very fun fun guy and uh, obviously aaron ramsdale i've got a real liking for ben white it's great that these players play for arsenal and that's why maybe i'm not rushing my daughter to go to an Arsenal game. Yeah. Potentially, I am, but it's because we talk about it so much, and I guess I am essentially brainwashing her because at the moment, supporting <laughs> an Arsenal fan is a lot more fun than it has been. Only I'm not pretending that supporting Arsenal has been a hardship, but it's more fun than it yeah. has been over the last maybe yeah. three or four years. We've got a lot of likable players. Um, so yeah, I mean, two years ago, I wouldn't probably have zero interest in taking my daughter, whether she was mm. nine, ten, or eleven. Whereas now, it definitely seems like something which is. Uh, at the forefront of my mind. No, I think I think that's all completely reasonable. And I, I, there's not, you know, I've seen kids far younger than five sit and 
you know, beer football matches, and I think you know, there's no, there's no right age to be honest. I, I'm not even sure that I that I that my son was that much older. Now that I'm trying to do the maths in my head, I think he probably was about five or six. But one thing you said there about Aaron Ramsdale's piece, which was incredible. Like I, I've very rarely one personally had a reaction to a, to a piece by a footballer like that, and two seen such a significant immediate reaction. I think every single person who read that piece was immediately touched by it. But it's actually been quite an interesting summer in that regard because very, very different circumstances. But a month or so earlier than this, we had uh, Deli Ali's interview with Gary Neville, um, which again was something that was, you know, incredibly brave, incredibly honest. Um, you know, I think took a lot of people by surprise and, you know, garnered a almost exclusively positive reaction. And I think, you know, the, the, the Delhi Alley story is is certainly extreme in, in some instances, but I think what we're seeing more and more is that footballers are using their platform for good. Um, and, you know, there's no doubt that the likes of Ramsdale and Saka in particular have been really positive role models and outspoken. And, you know, I think, I think that's, absolutely to be commended and I think that what's nice now I know Deli Ali doesn't play for Spurs anymore sadly but what's really nice now is that as a football fan you can actually look to these players I mean you know Rashford is another obvious example all right Jordan Henson's blotted his copybook significantly now but he he was a really positive outspoken um you know campaigner you know these are players who football fans can cling to and say they are doing the right thing. They're saying the right thing. Their actions are matching their words. Um, and you know, you and you and I both have grown up hearing about footballers being stupid, selfish, greedy, money-driven. And I think a lot of what the likes of Ramsdale, Saka, Deli Ali, Marcus Rashford, in so many different ways, are doing now will will hopefully leave a much more positive, um, you know, legacy for for our kids as they grow up looking to footballers as their role models yeah 100 i think the delhi alley interview it shocked me um because i didn't not only did i not have any idea about nearly everything that he said but also just how open he was and how and you just would not expect that from well most people let alone a footballer who just is there to be shot at and has been really um since i guess his form dropped off for Spurs. Yeah. Ever since then, he's probably had dogs abuse. Um, yeah. And for him to come out and speak like that was amazing, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, and off the back of that, what was really touching was the number of people, not just Spurs players, but in, you know, former England teammates, players who maybe didn't have an obvious connection to Delhi Ali, making a point of coming out and showing their support. And then more recently, Eric Dyer, um, there was a written interview with Eric Dyer where... Um, he he basically broke down in tears just talking about Deli Ali, which you know was incredibly touching. They're obviously really close. I think, you know, I think it, like I say, there's always been a stigma about footballers, and I think they're re- the, the 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 openness, the honesty, the, you know, the the willingness to take on issues and to and to you know, put themselves out there is just so fantastic and really does kind of warm the heart. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I guess you did mention this player's name earlier, and at time of recording. It looks like a flip of a coin, maybe, as to where Harry Kane will be playing his football this season. Mm. Maybe you think otherwise. I'm not too sure. <clears throat> no, uh, yeah. But 
and we should talk about Harry Kane because, you know, for many reasons. But before maybe we talk about where he'll play this season and your sure fondness for him and his legacy at Spurs, et cetera, et cetera, regardless of whether he leaves or not, I think there are some players that really sometimes fans get them, sometimes they get the club, the fans, and everything just comes out and everything is perfect. Um, I think there are a lot of quite a few Arsenal players at the moment that have got a real great bond with the fans. Sometimes you get cult heroes. And I guess, you know, I remember I did see Spurs tweeted um, something with, to do with Deli Ali after the interview came out. Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, for me, I guess I guess it's maybe a bit romantic. I'm not sure. You don't get that in football too much. But when a player, especially after they leave the club, if there's still that affinity, um, I remember, you know, very often... When a player comes back to the club, they're now booed. It happens more and more. You know, mm. we could we could easily name players this season that we booed, even though they left under good circumstances or just, you know, there was there was no bad blood, but they'll get booed because they get booed. Um, but there are some players, I guess it means that when a player does come back, they, the reception they get when it's a good one is particularly heartwarming. Um, mm. You get those players, yeah. like when Danny Welbeck plays against Arsenal, he'll get a little clap because, you know, yeah. no, it's not, you're not, you're not going to boo Danny Welbeck, but also no one really cares. Whereas, obviously, it's a particularly um, you know, obvious example, but when Robert Perez came back um, and he played for Villarreal at the Emirates, uh, my uh, two main memories, one, that he got an absolutely fantastic reception, and two, was that I don't know how he was still playing football because I think most of the second half, he just walked around just enjoying the fact that all the Arsenal fans were, were loving him. But I guess that's the um, the thing. I think Deli Ali got a great reception when he came back with Everton. Is that uh, right? Yeah, I, honestly, that's that was that was one of my favourite moments of that season. To be honest, it was helped by the fact I think we were over three or four nil up at the time. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, he he got an incredible reception when he came on. Um, and Eric's yeah, Eric's yeah, I made a point of yeah. thought we talked earlier about having the choice between uh, Kings Langley and Spurs. I made a point of choosing. Spurs over Kings Langley that weekend, Brentford away, just because I was so desperate to see Christian Eriksen. And the first time he came over to take a corner, I mean, it was like brought a tear to the eye. It was, And I think you and I, we're both pretty positive. Like we try and kind of see the optimistic side of being a Arsenal or a Spurs fan. I think moments like that are the ones that you live for because I don't really enjoy, there's, there's only probably, you mentioned about ex-players getting booed. There's one obvious one who I'm definitely not going to name, but apart <laughs> from him, there, there aren't really any other um, ex-Spurs players that I would choose to boo. I think Kyle Walker is a borderline case for me, more because of how he left. But like, apart from that, there's no, there's no one else who I think who played for Spurs uh, who I would boo. And I think maybe that's that's a reflection on kind of how I, I am very, very positive when it comes to Spurs and, you know, kind of take the players to heart. They they have to, you know, they, they're innocent till proven guilty in my eyes. Unless they do something terrible, I'm, I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt. But yeah, um, I love the Deli Alley reception, the Ericsson reception. Um, yeah, those those are the kind of, the, the, the that's what that warms the heart. Yeah, and I think... Um... Similarly, we obviously Vieira came to the Emirates as as the Crystal Palace manager, and he got. Like, it was it was a season where we finished fifth, just missed out to Spurs and the, uh, to qualify for the Champions League. I remember that, yeah. But yeah, but seeing his name after obviously what was such a long time of you know him not being there, and obviously he went on to play for other clubs. But um, 
like he was always other than Ian Wright, Vieira was always my, always my favourite player, and um, and it's and and those are the sort of things that are amazing. Obviously, we signed a Vieira last summer, and it was it was it was uh, great really because we played Crystal Palace the first game of last season, and Fabio Vieira wasn't in the squad, so we were able to sing the Vieira song whilst winning with no question marks over which Vieira we were singing about and obviously he was the Crystal Palace manager losing so he wasn't going to give us any sort of you know um, acknowledgement but those are the things other than you know seeing your team win at their rivals you know seeing your team win a last minute winner for me they're the most enjoyable things the things that don't happen every week every week we might will score every week we'll you know make a great tackle a player will make a great tackle but not every week you get to see legends that played for your club or just like you know players that maybe they might not be a legend but they might have played for club and everyone has fond memories of them and i think sometimes those are the really special moments definitely and i mean we've we're both conveniently avoiding talking about this current coming season or anything like that which i think you know more understandable from my perspective than yours but <laughs> i like i like that we're talking about this stuff because this is the stuff that i think I care about as a football fan. Of course, I want Spurs to win every single match. I want us to win every single trophy there is. Um, but you can't judge. You can't base your enjoyment of being a football fan on whether you win a trophy or not. And I know this is a convenient position for a Spurs fan to take, but it is those moments along the way. It is just like going, going and seeing an ex-player. You know, give give the fans a good reception. It's kind of that. Like, you know, one thing that sprang to mind when you're talking about Perez lapping up the um, appreciation of the crowd was we played Watford away X number of years ago and Aurelio Gomez was in goal in the second half he was in goal in front of the Spurs fans and I genuinely think uh, he was so distracted by acknowledging the Spurs fans that we scored at one point like he was he was so much relishing being you know back with the Spurs fans who who gave him such a great reception and you know Aurelio Gomez was a decent goalie for us albeit he had he had his you know haphazard moments but just you know in that moment it was everyone was just really happy to see Aurelio Gomez and there have been countless other players where that's been the case and I think those are the things you kind of look forward to as a fan that you know I mean it's it's it sounds silly and I think if you don't go to games it's not you know it's not kind of a oh yeah you're not proper fan if you don't go to games but I think those are the things you just never pick up on you wouldn't realize just what those moments are like yeah, I think those, like you say, mention Gomez. I think a lot of Spurs fans wouldn't necessarily mention his name if you think of players that just no. got it in inverted commas. But maybe you know, well, he sounds like he definitely did. And I, I started this line of uh, conversation through mentioning Harry Kane because I think for me, and I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. And I'm not trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial here, but I think Harry Kane is someone that he's always. He doesn't strike me as the sort of player that holds Spurs to his heart like uh, some other players. In you know, if I go back and I, for the sake of uh, the fact that this is a podcast with no video, uh, you've put, you've pulled a face as if to disagree, and I find this slightly hard to articulate. But uh, um, two examples, and not to say you know, Thierry Henry was very happy to leave Arsenal when he left Arsenal, but I would say he is you know he holds the club. He, he loves the club. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's one of those pundits that talk about we rather than Arsenal. But yeah. Harry Kane, you know, very famously went on Gary Neville's show and did all he could other than saying, I'm desperate to leave Spurs and try to leave Spurs, which is understandable. I also, I don't know if you 
watched. I can't remember the name of the show, but the the hot wings, spicy wings challenge. Yeah. Um, and he referred to Spurs, and albeit his it's an American uh, market, but he referred to Spurs as the club he was playing for at the moment. Um, very very small things, but I think he was he was strikes me as sort of person that would rather win something with England. He's he's. I think he has said that to be fair. And that's absolutely fair. But I, I think sometimes, sometimes it's difficult to be a real sort of cult hero, a hero when you are that good and you are talked about in the, in the circles that Harry Kane is. Maybe it's because he hasn't won a trophy. I don't know. But, you know, maybe there'll be a lot of Spurs fans that like someone like Deli Ali more than Harry Kane, but understand that Harry Kane is far, far, far. You know, he, he's probably the greatest player that you've ever seen at Spurs, Definitely. right? 100%. 100%. I think anyone who says any different is either lying to you or to themselves. Harry Kane is the greatest Spurs player that I have ever seen and that has basically been ever. I mean, statistically, that's true in terms of goals, but just generally. Um, okay. I, there's a lot to say about Harry Kane and... We're already at the half hour mark, but I, I both get where you're coming from and disagree with you because I think when all is said and done, Harry Kane does care deeply about Spurs. Okay. I'll put it this way. There's been some debate about obviously with the transfer saga, are Spurs better off selling to Bayern because that removes any issue of Kane potentially going to a rival next season. Yeah. I believe I'm perfectly um, comfortable with being proved wrong and deeply naive on this. I believe Kane would not go to Arsenal or Chelsea. I think oh, in his I don't head... Think, I don't think there's any chance of him going to Arsenal. And I'd be or surprised Chelsea. if he went... I'd be very surprised if he went to Chelsea. Right. But then that in itself should say that he does care about Spurs, care about his legacy, care about the fans, that kind of thing. And he has been at Spurs for a very, very, very long time. No, let and... me, I don't, I don't say, I don't think he doesn't care about Spurs. Maybe I just see him, maybe I see, maybe it's just the fact that I see him as, as a countryman rather first, that's all. Um, I, so I think I'm pretty sure that at some point he has said he would w- rather win the World Cup than win, I don't know, the league with Spurs. Maybe it's that. I kind of get that. Like, if you're the England captain and you you have the chance to be only the second person ever to lift the World Cup English player to lift the World Cup trophy, I kind of can't really begrudge him that. Even if I would rather that Spurs win the League Cup, like that's fine. Um, But no, I I do think he cares a lot about Spurs. But I also am not quite naive enough to believe that he's willing to forego any chance of silverware, any chance of glory, any chance of X, Y, or Z, just to stick around if Spurs are no longer moving in the right direction. So right. I, I, I do think I do think there is some semblance of 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 truth in what you're saying. Um I think that the the Gary Neville interview two years ago, whether people are willing to admit it or not, completely removed any kind of fantasy of Kane just being a one club man and you know he'll never leave us and he you know he's with us through thick and thin and all that kind of thing. What he did with the Gary Neville interview removed any kind of prospect of that 
and I'm more than happy to, to concede that I conceded it at the time. Um, and as much as I've just said how fantastic a player I, uh, Harry Kane is, and I absolutely love him, I don't think he could ever be my favourite Spurs player for whatever that means as a nearly 40 year old man. Um, because there are other players who I think did more, I guess, to endear themselves in terms of the character. You know, we spoke earlier about, you know, the likes of Ramsdale, Saka, Deli Ali, yeah. Marcus Rashford, people like that. Um, Deli Ali was not at any point as good as Harry Kane. Even before the interview, even before everything that's gone on, Deli Ali was always, always my favourite Spurs player of this era. Like I absolutely adore the guy, and it wasn't just because of what he did on in terms of scoring goals. It was just because I loved the way he played football. I loved his character. I loved everything about him. Um, and there are other players who fit that criteria as well. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of get what you mean, and I'm sure I'm trying to think of an Arsenal equivalent. I, I, it's difficult because I hate saying this, but because Arsenal won the trophies and were always up there, it was a lot easier for Arsenal players to profess yeah. their may, undying loyalty. May, Possibly, maybe it just comes down to Harry Kane's a little bit boring and therefore he's not yeah. that fun to love off the pitch. But I think also, as you mentioned, we're, we're past the half an hour mark now and we also, there are plenty of podcasts to, to discuss whether Harry Kane will be destroying his well, let's, or... yeah, let's hope we're still talking about Harry Kane as a Spurs player by the time we next speak. Sure. Um, but one thing we want to do on this podcast is revisit an old Spurs-Arsenal or Arsenal-Spurs game uh, from uh, from yesteryear. Um, and there's one particular game that sticks out uh, in uh, the memory for, for myself and Ashley. And uh, we're going to start with this game before from next week we will uh, pick a game at random but um actually do you want to introduce the game uh, that we're going to start with yeah so so this game i mean it was a pretty significant game in and of itself but i think it's particularly of significance in in was in our household growing up so 29th of april 1995 um this was the first season that i started going to away games uh um just to give away our ages i would have been 10 10 and a half and you ricky would have just turned seven yeah. yeah um and it was arsenal spurs at highbury and it was what is known to spurs fans as the Klinsman season um and he played a significant role in the game um and yeah i mean do, do you want to tell us what, what you yeah, remember so, of the game yeah um we went with our parents we should say we, so that was me, you, and my mum and dad. Yeah. Mum and um, dad. Um, all in the Spurs end. Yeah. All in Spurs end together, despite the fact that, as we've established, both our mum and you are Arsenal fans. Yeah. And I, so, ever since I started watching Arsenal, Ian Wright was just my hero. Still, still my hero, just adore the guy it kind of saddens me a bit that everyone loves him as much as i do or as much as arsenal <laughs> fans do um he was sort of he was ours and now is everyone's and yeah i mean you know, even every, I love everyone, him, everyone wants yeah exactly who doesn't love him everyone's piece of him right and there was a time where i think and i think you'd admit this you hated him right um, oh, absolutely and that and and i think he would get off on that he would love the fact that a spurs fan would hate him he'd probably be i love the fact the fact, like him now i love the fact that he loved the fact that spurs hate him like that's yeah. what you want 
he, I guess he was a little bit like Teddy Sheringham was because yeah, yeah. we hate Teddy Sheringham. Um, but he hasn't quite gone on to the media career as Ian Wright, probably because he's not as good a bloke as him. Um, yeah. So yeah. Ian Wright uh, scored a penalty for Arsenal. And as soon as the ball hit the net, the abuse and the objects that were thrown at Ian Wright, because it was in front of the Spurs fans, was mad. And like you said, I was seven years old, and all I remember was bursting out, <laughs> bursting out into tears. Um, like, as I referenced earlier, my daughter did when Arsenal scored against Spurs in the women's game at the Emirates uh, last season. So I burst out into tears. I think it was just probably all just a bit too much. There was I was with Spurs fans. I knew I wasn't allowed to, allowed to cheer, even though my hero had just scored against my my uh, team's rivals. The swearing, the shouting, the screaming, the spitting, the things being thrown. I just started crying. I don't remember being calmed down. I'm sure I was. I don't remember anyone looking at me and going, why on earth is that, that kid crying? And they probably just thought, oh, yeah, you know, he's a Spurs fan and he's devastated that we've just gone one nil down, which would be fair enough. <laughs> Little did they know. But... Um, yeah, and and I used to sit with the Spurs fans a lot at Highbury. It's not so much a White Hart Lane, but I used to get a ticket um, in with the Arsenal fans, in with the Spurs fans at Highbury. Um, always made for very interesting viewing uh, in every possible way. But that game was such a such a vivid memory. I only really, I just remember Ian Wright. He, he obviously yeah. scored, and he looked at the Spurs fans. He gave a huge grin. I can still see it now, but. Um, yeah. I don't remember nearly anything else with the game, but that moment was a, a huge moment for me growing up. And maybe that's another reason why I just love the man so much. But um, yeah, I guess he, you know, he nearly ruined my childhood but in many, many ways. He, uh, he made it. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I do. I mean, it's bizarre to think it's 28 and a bit years ago. And I still remember so clearly Ian Wright celebrating in front of us, getting all sorts chucked at him, all sorts of abuse. Um, shouted towards him um and i just looked this up it was in the 61st minute um young klinsman equalized i believe with a header uh, in the 74th minute um and it was one all and i also remember so this doesn't happen anymore in in, in english games you don't get kept behind as an away fan uh, i certainly haven't been kept behind in an english ground for years although it happens every time we play in europe that's something I won't miss this season. Um, but yeah, in those days, you got kept behind and you were in tears. Um, the game had just finished. We were trying to get out and the police stewards, whoever, were trying to keep us in. And I just remember my dad pointing to you and going, come on, let us through. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and the um, police or stewards, whoever it was, relented, let, let us through. Um, and we were able to get through the, um, the cordon and go on our merry way. I mean, it's probably just as well that Klinsman equalised because God knows what the Spurs fans would have done anyway. But um, yeah, so such a distinct memory. And so that was the first, and I think to date, the only time we've been to a North London derby together. Is that right? What you mean? As in sat together, sat together, sat together. Uh, No, no, no. I, I, I don't want to go too much into other games I'm sure we'll talk about, but I definitely remember sitting with you at White Hart Lane. Um, in the Spurs end, oh, okay, and I reckon yeah. there could well have been other games at Highbury because I did it on a, a few occasions. But maybe we end up okay. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, okay. Certainly the yeah. first time, anyway. Definitely, definitely the first time. And yeah. I think 
that's the only time Ian Wright has made me cry from scoring a goal for Arsenal. Uh, definitely in that environment anyway. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, like you say, we'll have lots of other opportunities to look back at some other times where either of our teams may have made the other one cry. Um, but yeah, that's certainly a, a great memory. Well, a great memory in some ways um, for both of us. Um, yeah. To be fair, getting a point at Highbury, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So not a bad result all, all round. Um, yeah. So the Klinsman season was pretty special and that was, that was probably, uh, that was, yeah, probably one of our last points we ever got a hybrid, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, may well be. Um, okay, I feel like that's a good place to end our first our first effort do, at this. Do, do you know what? We wrote about, you know, 20 bullet points of what we're going to talk about. I think we've covered about two. Yeah. But the more I think about it, the more I think people aren't going to listen to this to find out about what our signings are going to do and our new manager and tactics and you know, think, Brentford think, and Nottingham think Forest. Spot on. I think there's lots of other podcasts for that. Um, exactly. But if uh, anyone, I say anyone, um, if anyone does have any ideas of uh, what they want us to hear us discuss about, uh, hear us talk about, given that we are two brothers supporting rival teams, then uh, we're all ears. Um, so Spurs play Brentford at, on Sunday at 2 o'clock, yeah, that's this right. Is, this is another thing we haven't spoken about, which is very specific to us. So our youngest brother... Um, has got engaged. Congratulations to him. Wonderful news. Um, he's also decided to have his engagement party on Sunday, the 13th of August at around lunchtime. Um, and uh, Tottenham Hotspur will be taking on Brentford at Sunday, 13th, on Sunday, 13th of August at around lunchtime. So not ideal. Um, I, I will not be going to the game because... I think my brother might disown me. Um, but I know that there will be a number of Spurs fans in attendance uh, on both sides of the family because it should also be pointed out that my brother is marrying into a Spurs fan family. Um, and so, yeah, it should be an interesting experience. I don't know how much of the game I'm going to get to watch. Um, but, yeah, and, and it sounds like it will be an interesting experience for you uh, at the Emirates on Saturday. Yeah. So we uh, start against Nottingham Forest on Saturday. Um, and, yeah, I would say it's definitely more of a um, landmark of a game, given that I'm taking my daughter, compared to uh, what it would be otherwise. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I guess we'll, we'll catch up about it in the right. next week's podcast. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely yeah. talk about it on here. So our aim is to do this every week. Yep. Um, if our seasons go like they did last season, then I might be less enthusiastic than you about doing this every week. Um, but yeah, I think we'll probably try and avoid the bog standard. Oh, what a goal by Harry Kane. Well, hopefully I get, do get to say that again, but you know, people will get that elsewhere. But I think if we can give our own perspectives, I'd like to, we'll probably be going to more of the games than, than not um, between yeah. us. So yeah, there'll be that. And I think it's, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully give a bit of a unique perspective on North London football in the 23-24 season. Sounds great. Right. Cheers, Ash. Thanks, Ricky. I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, you, you suggested we do this. It was a great idea. Um, so, yeah, thanks to everyone who's listened. And, uh, yeah, like Ricky says, drop us a note if you've got any ideas. And we'll be back again next week. Bye.